0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Deion Gordon Podcast. Of course, I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, the man who calls it right down the middle, Deion Tyreek Gordon. Enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. NFC Championship game this Sunday. The home team, the San Francisco 49ers, playing at their summer home, Levi South, otherwise known as SoFi Stadium, will be hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the game is being played in Los Angeles, and you would think, rumor has it, that the Los Angeles Rams are the home team at SoFi Stadium. But reality says otherwise. It will be a sea of red at SoFi Stadium, much as it was in Week 18 when the 49ers overcame a 17-point deficit to beat the LA Rams. 27-24, thus making the playoffs and going on this run that they're on right now and making it all the way to the NFC Championship game at Levi's South. Those scumbag Rams tried their hardest, tried their best to keep 49er fans from taking over what is allegedly their stadium this Sunday, trying to prevent 49er fans from purchasing tickets to the NFC Championship game. However, order has been restored and now Niner fans can buy as many tickets as they want to go watch and attend the NFC Championship game this Sunday. The Rams were looking to avoid what happened in week 18 where over a third of the stadium was taken over by 49er fans and it even went as far as to announce This past Sunday, the only Los Angeles area residents would be able to purchase tickets to the game through their website and Ticketmaster using credit cards registered in Southern California. That restriction was dropped Monday, apparently after most tickets were already sold, but Rams head coach Sean McVay and Rams players and their wives begged LA fans not to sell tickets to Niner fans on secondary ticket markets like StubHub or TickPick. That, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The Rams are soft. S A W F T. Soft. How soft is that? How bitch made is that? The bitch assness emanating from Los Angeles, from the LA Rams headquarters, from SoFi Stadium, a.k.a. Levi's South, is strong. The bitch assness is strong right now. Are you scared? What are you worried about? You're the L.A. Rams. You got the star-studded football team. You got Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You brought in Vaughn Miller. You got Odell Beckham Jr. You have Cooper Cup, the best wide receiver in pro football. What are you afraid of, Rams? This shouldn't be an issue for you. You know what that tells me? That tells me the Niners already have a psychological advantage over the L.A. Rams. You combine the bitch-assness in trying to prevent Niners fans from buying tickets to the game with the fact that, that the San Francisco 49ers have beaten the L.A. Rams six consecutive times. They have swept the L.A. Rams each of the last three seasons, 2019, 2020, 2021, 49er win after 49er win after 49er win. They have kicked the Rams' ass for three consecutive years. This is the last team the Rams wanted to deal with in the NFC Championship game. This was the last team they were trying to see. They take over your stadium. They have a schematic and conceptual advantage over you. They're bigger and stronger than you. Their coach is better than your coach, and they mop the floor with you for three consecutive seasons. In the words of Hulk Hogan, the paraphrase Hulk Hogan, what you going to do when the 49ers run wild all over you? Stop being scared, Rams. It's Super Bowl or bust, right? That's why you guys made that deal with Detroit. To get rid of Jared Goff and bring in Matt Stafford? You guys are ready for this moment, right? Here's my prediction for the game. This is an NFC Championship game preview. A Conference Championship Sunday game preview in general. I'll get to the AFC game at the very end of this. But, I'm, of course, my heart is with the 49ers. And my affection and my the majority of my attention is with the NFC Championship game. So it's going to be very NFC heavy. I'm a 49er fan. You should know that by now if you've been listening long enough. So... My prediction for the game is that we make a seven straight. I have no no reservations about saying that. What has changed since week 18? It's still a bad matchup for the LA Rams. They have a defensive front, a very talented defensive front. Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller is a part of that. Sean Robinson, this is a quality football team. Obviously, they're in the NFC Championship game. But for the most part, they're a smaller front. They're a smaller line. The Niners are bigger, stronger, and more physical up front. That's the biggest reason why the Niners always beat the Rams, because they beat them up at the line of scrimmage. The Rams have a defensive front that is predicated on rushing the opposing team's quarterback, creating pressure, getting sacks, forcing fumbles, forcing the quarterback to make bad decisions and throw interceptions. The Niners don't drop back to pass that much. The Niners are a run-first, run-heavy team. And what they do is they line it up, and creative formations from Kyle Shanahan, and they attack the Rams' weakness because, like I said, they're a small team up front. So if we just run them over, what are they going to do about it? Has Aaron Donald magically gained 60 pounds since week 18 and now become Vince Wilfork? That's not possible. That's not possible. It's not going to happen. They're still the same on Rams. The NFL is, was, and always will be matchup driven. I firmly believed that the Rams were going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, number one, the Rams had a decimated offensive line. Tristan Wirth, their all-world right tackle, was out for that game with an ankle injury. Their starting center was also hobbled with an ankle injury. So you have a depleted offensive line for a pass-first football team in Tampa Bay because they have the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, and it's a mismatch. And if you go back and watch that game last Sunday with Tampa and the L.A. Rams— There were blue jerseys in the backfield every single time Brady dropped back to pass. Didn't help matters that the Rams got off to a nice start, up 10-0, and they had to lead the entire game. At one point, it was 27-3, late in the third quarter. Now when it's 27-3, late in the third quarter, what's going to happen? You have to pass. You have to drop back and throw the football time and time again. The running game is now out the window. You have to throw your way back into this game. So what happens then? We unleash the pass rush. We're going to pin our ears back and go get your QB. And that's what the Rams kept knowing. If it wasn't for the four turnovers by the Rams with fumbles by Cam Akers and Cooper Cup and a snap that went over the head of Matt Stafford, if it wasn't for all of that, that game would have been a complete annihilation. It would have been a demolition. You could have named the score. It might have been 41-3, 48-10, something like that. The Rams were the better football team on Sunday. Now, they won it narrowly at the end because – You know, Tom Brady is like Goro from Mortal Kombat. You might beat him, but it's going to be really fucking difficult. He's not going to make it easy for you. Tom Brady has four arms and four legs. Like I said, you might beat him, but you're going to have to spend a lot of energy, and it's going to be very tough to do. It's not going to be easy. Brady lost like a man, like he always does. Tom Brady doesn't always win. I know it seems that way. But even when he loses, he loses like a man. He goes down with a fight. He goes down swinging, he dies on his sword. You have to knock Tom Brady out. He won't wave the white flag or refuse to come out of his corner. No, you have to knock him the fuck out. And that deep pass from Matt Stafford down the field, to Cooper Cup against cover zero, that was a knockout blow. That was an overhand right. That was an uppercut from Mike Tyson in 1986. That was a knockout blow. Finish the game. Because if it goes to overtime, good luck. The boogeyman down there in Tampa is probably going to figure out a way to beat you. And thank God that didn't happen because I kept telling people the past two weeks, ever since the playoffs started, I don't want any parts of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want nothing to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number one, Tom Brady, obviously. That dude would come in pissed off, motivated, ready to kill something, going up against his childhood team, that didn't want to bring him in two years ago, that opted to take Jimmy Garoppolo over him. The focus and the motivation would be at an all-time high to destroy the 49ers if they had to match up against the greatest quarterback who ever played football. Reason number two, travel, cross-country flight. In the past month, the Niners have had road games against Tennessee, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Green Bay. Now, could you imagine having to run this gauntlet that the Niners have been running in the past month with all these road games, all these tough, physical road games that have seemingly gone down to the wire to the last second, and then having to pack your bags and go across country to Tampa, Florida and play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Nope. No, sir. I wanted no parts of that. Reason number three, as I said earlier, Niners are a run-heavy, run-first team. What does Tampa Bay do best on defense? Stop the run. They make you pass. And uh, the thought, the concept of Jimmy Garoppolo going, having to go out there and win a game with his arm is frightening to me. Trust me, more on that later. So for those three reasons, I wanted nothing to do with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I predicted that the Rams were going to go on the road and beat them because, as I already said, The NFL is, was, and always will be a matchup-driven league. The Rams were a horrible matchup for the Buccaneers. However, the 49ers are a terrible matchup for the LA Rams. And it's for that reason that I believe that the 49ers are going to win this game on Sunday and move on to Super Bowl 56, their second Super Bowl in three years. Another reason I believe the Niners are going to beat the Rams this Sunday is on the other side of the ball, our defensive line has recorded three sacks or more in seven consecutive games. Go back to week 18, Niners versus Rams. Matt Stafford was under siege in that game. Every time he dropped back to pass, he was surrounded by white and gold jerseys the entire game. He had no time to throw. And as the game progressed, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, overtime, the pass rush got worse and worse and worse. Nick Bosa. The reemergence of Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Samson Ebicom, formerly of the LA Rams, Arden Key, Charles Amenehu. This defensive line for the 49ers is ferocious and they are coming to take your lunch money. They are coming to fuck you up on a play-by-play basis. When you drop back the pass against the 49ers, you are going to need security. Hopefully you have health insurance because this Niner defensive front is not playing around. They are out for blood. So when you talk about a dominant offensive line for the 49ers and the ability to control the line of scrimmage and run the football, and you combine that with a dominant defensive line that also has the ability to control the line of scrimmage, now you have a recipe for success. You win the battle up front, you're more than likely to win the game. Football has always been a game predicated on two basic principles, as far as I'm concerned. The team that blocks and tackles better is probably going to win the game nine times out of ten, unless you have a quarterback that's so elite he can make any and every play whenever he feels like it and just overcome that like Kansas City has with Mahomes or Buffalo has with Josh Allen. Matt Stafford's kind of in that conversation, but not really. He's kind of in that second tier right below those guys. So I don't think he can overcome it. Matter of fact, he hasn't overcome it in both games, the Monday night game against San Francisco. And back in November, he was under constant pressure in that game and threw two interceptions, one of which being a pick six taken back to the house by Jimmy Ward. So he is not, this this Rams offensive line is not matched up well with the physicality of the 49er defensive line and vice versa. They have not matched up well. Their defensive line is not matched up with our offensive line. The Niners are averaging 145 yards rushing in this six-game win streak. Against the LA Rams. They converted on 17 of 28 third downs. 61% of the time, the Niners have converted on third down against the LA Rams. This has been pure and complete total domination. They beat them last year at Levi South down there in SoFi in LA with Nick Mullins playing quarterback. Wasn't even Jimmy Garoppolo. They beat them with Nick Mullins. That's how much ownership the Niners have over the Rams that was the game that prompted Sean McVay to start thinking about maybe we should get rid of Jared Goff. Cause if you can't even beat Nick Mullins, then what good are you? You're a former number one overall pick in the draft. You can't even beat Nick Mullins. This guy's an undrafted free agent and he's outplaying you right now. To me, that's what got the ball rolling in regards to getting rid of Jared Goff and bringing in Matt Stafford. And to that point, all the pressure is on the L.A. Rams. There's no pressure on the 49ers. We're not even supposed to be here right now. This team was 3-5, and five, had just been destroyed by the backups of the Arizona Cardinals by Colt McCoy and James Conner, came out to Levi's North, and stomped a mud hole in the 49ers and walked it dry. The season was on the brink of disaster, total desperation and despair out here in the Bay Area. People like me suggesting that Kyle Shanahan should be fired Jimmy should be benched, put Trey Lance in the game. The Niners' season was borderline over at that point. And they turned it around with that Monday night game against the L.A. Rams. And they've been cooking ever since. They're 9-2 ever since that evisceration in the hands of the Arizona Cardinals' backups. But make no mistake about it, the Niners are kind of a Cinderella team. Third place in the NFC West. You know who won the NFC West this season? The Los Angeles Rams. They went all in for this season. This is Super Bowl or bust for them. They made that trade for Matt Stafford. They gave up a lot of draft picks in that. They made a trade a year ago or two years ago to bring in Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville. Odell Beckham made a trade midseason to bring him in. Made a trade with Denver to bring in Von Miller. You got all these guys, all these names. You mortgage the future for the here and now. The NFC Championship game at SoFi. Super Bowl 56 also at SoFi. In the words of the late great Jim Fossil, former head coach of the New York Giants, you pushed all your chips to the center of the table. Anybody wants to get in, get in. If you want to get out, get out. It's all about this season for the LA Rams. You are supposed to win this year. Super Bowl or bust. Your words, not mine, not anyone else's. These are the words of the LA Rams. It's all or nothing this season. You have no future. You gave it all away. You traded all these draft picks for all these guys I already mentioned in the hopes that you're gonna win a Super Bowl. You're gonna do what Tampa Bay did last year. You're gonna host a Super Bowl in what you think and what is allegedly your home stadium, SoFi. That's that's the belief. That's the thought process. That's the goal, right? Sean McVay, head coach of the L.A. Rams, went upstairs to upper management and said, Jared Goff ain't good enough. He's not cutting it. I need a better quarterback. I need an upgrade in the most important position in all of sports. Get me Matt Stafford. If Matt Stafford's available, if Detroit has him on the open market for a trade, make that deal. Give me Matt Stafford, and I'll give you a championship. Because we got there three years ago in Super Bowl 53 with Jared Goff and scored a measly three points and lost 13-3 to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So if you give me Matt Stafford, I can get over that hump. I can not only get back to a Super Bowl, I'll score more than three points this time and we'll win it. All the pressure's on the Rams. Who knows, McVay might get fired if they lose this game. You never know. I'm always about firing coaches. I don't know why that is. All the pressure is on Sean McVay and the L.A. Rams. There's no other way around it. There's no pressure on the 49ers. The 49ers are the little engine that could. It's like Deborah Cox once asked, how'd you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here, 49ers. But the Rams, yeah, this was this is what everyone thought was going to happen in the NFC. You bring in Matt Stafford. You bring in all these other guys. You're supposed to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So what happens if you lose? What happens if it all comes crashing down in the hurts inside this Sunday? That's going to be interesting to see. That's going to be something to watch and pay attention to. I mean, seriously, if Sean McVay can't beat Kyle Shanahan, if the Rams can't beat the 49ers, if Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers make it seven straight against the L.A. Rams with that seventh being the NFC Championship game and earning the right to go to the Super Bowl in your stadium, You add all that up, that could spell disaster for Sean McVay, and that could leave him out of a job. You never know. There's a lot on the line this Sunday for both teams, but there's more on the line, exponentially more on the line this Sunday for the visiting Los Angeles Rams. Something to watch and something to pay attention to. Something else to watch and pay attention to is the referee assignments for this game. And yes, I'm that much of a football nerd that I do pay attention to the referee assignments for this game. The head referee in charge for this NFC Championship game on Sunday is Carl Cheffers. Carl Cheffers has a reputation of being very, very strict with his officiating. He calls it very close and very tight to the vest. He is the complete antithesis of Bill Vinovich, who has a reputation for being very liberal and allowing you to get away with shit and just play, you know, a very loose football game, especially in the playoffs. Niner fans should know all about Bill Vinovich. This guy was the referee for Super Bowl 54 versus Kansas City, and there were a number of pass interferences and holding penalties that were not called because Bill Vinovich will let you get away with shit. He will let you play football. He will let you be overly aggressive. You can take advantage. You can bend the rules a little bit with Bill Vinovich as the head referee in charge. You can't do that with Carl Cheffers. Vinovich, if you remember, a few years ago in the NFC Championship game in 2018 with the Rams versus the New Orleans Saints, that hideous pass interference call that wasn't called that went against New Orleans and in favor of the Rams— That infamous play where Drew Brees threw a pass to Tommy Lee Lewis on the sideline and Mikhail Roby Coleman came in and just blew him up before the ball even got there. That's an obvious pass interference. He's not even looking at the football. He destroys this man on this play before the ball even gets there, and there was no flag. And who was the head referee for that game? Bill Vinovich. So be thankful. He's doing the AFC game, by the way. Keep an eye on that. He's doing Cincinnati and Kansas City. So be on the lookout for some bullshit in that game, potentially. But Carl Cheffers is doing this game, and Carl Cheffers, like I said, is the exact opposite, the antithesis of Bill Vinovich. If something like that happens in this game this Sunday, it will get called because Cheffers pretty much calls everything. Super Bowl 55 last season, Tampa and Kansas City, the head referee, Carl Cheffers, that game was officiated much differently. Kansas City is known for being very aggressive, overly aggressive with the way they play football. Like I said, they like to grab and hold. They will. They'll commit some pass interference calls throughout the game. It's up to the referee's discretion as to whether or not they want to call it. Uh, holding penalties, too. Niner fans to this day are still upset about all the holding penalties that weren't called uh, in favor of the San Francisco 49ers where Nick Bosa was basically being held up in gunpoint throughout the entire game, but it was rarely ever called. Vinovich will let you get away with it, but last year's Super Bowl, with Carl Cheffers in charge, those plays got flagged. Those calls got called. And Kansas City was now on the receiving end of referees being somewhat against them, if you want to say that. And it was Chiefs fans who were crying in the, in the aftermath of last year's Super Bowl and complaining about how the game was officiated. There were too many flags. Travis Kelsey, a few, a few years ago, was complaining about another game that Cheffers did. Uh, it was an 18-16 loss in, in the divisional round against Pittsburgh where he was he was fined um, for his post-game comments for the, what he said about Sheffers and the way the game was officiated. Keep a lookout for that. Keep an eye on that. Referees are just as much a part of the game as the actual players. They're on the field, and they can make a call here and there that can influence or determine the game, the outcome of the game, in one way or the other. It's something worth paying attention to. For the record... Carl Cheffers and his crew assess the most penalties in the NFL this season. The Rams are 2-4 all-time with Cheffers as the head referee. The Niners are 9-8. Read into that what you want. I just feel like that's something worth pointing out, something worth paying attention to, and something to keep an eye on this Sunday. Something else to keep an eye on. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let's get down to the meat and potatoes Let's address the elephant in the room. I have supreme confidence the 49ers can beat the Rams this Sunday in this NFC Championship game. As I said, from a schematic and conceptual and physicality standpoint, I truly don't believe the Rams match up with the San Francisco 49ers. However, there is one caveat. There is one guy, one element that could potentially ruin everything and fuck the game and the season up His name is Jimmy Garoppolo, starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, who in this playoff run, the wild card game against the Dallas Cowboys, the divisional round game against the Green Bay Packers last Saturday, he is yet to throw a touchdown pass. In five career playoff games, he has thrown two touchdown passes and five interceptions. Against Dallas, he threw a pick. Awful interception. He had no business even throwing. He topped that the week later against Green Bay with another ghastly interception. Once again, had no business even attempting. Make no mistake about it, this team, the San Francisco 49ers, are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Every component, every phase, every positional group is good enough to win a Super Bowl. You have a strong running game. You have an elite play caller in Kyle Shanahan most of the time who can create mismatches from a schematic standpoint, who can come at you with different creative formations to get advantageous situations for the 49ers. He can have Kyle Juszczyk line up in the backfield and run a corner route as a fullback and get a one-on-one against someone and get open. He can move George Kittle around the formation. He can line up Debo Samuel in the backfield as a running back which he's done starting with that Rams game on that Monday night back in November. You have George Kittle, who's arguably the best tight end in pro football. Debo Samuel, who I've said numerous times on this podcast, is the best player in the NFL, period. Fred Warner, debatably the best middle linebacker in pro football. Trent Williams, inarguably the best left tackle in pro football. Jimmy Ward and Joukowsky Tart, in my opinion, maybe I'm biased, who cares? the best safety tandem in the NFL right now. This is a quality football team with depth, with good football players at every position, with guys who have stepped up and emerged the last two months of the season, with guys who are currently playing their best football at the best possible time. This team is more than capable of winning that elusive sixth championship for the 49ers, however, We have a starting quarterback who does not inspire hope or any kind of optimism amongst half the fan base and I am in that half of the fan base. I say that unapologetically. The fan base for the 49ers is split right down the middle. You have Jimmy Garoppolo fans and you have Jimmy Garoppolo skeptics such as myself. And it's been that way the entire season. And the Niners because they play on the West Coast, because they play in the California Bay Area, this has existed in relative anonymity. But now, You're on the national stage, you're in the NFL playoffs, you're in the NFC Championship game. Now the entire world is watching. And everyone sees these pathetic and miserable performances by Jimmy Garoppolo against Dallas and against Green Bay. They see these hideous passes. They either got picked off or should have got picked off. They see what this guy really is. They're watching this guy play. 40 million people watched that game last Saturday against Green Bay. Close to 50 million people watched a wild card game versus Dallas. You're on center stage now. You're on front street. It's not just a local early window, one o'clock Pacific time kickoff against the Cardinals or the Seahawks or whoever. No, now everyone's watching you and everyone sees this and it's the elephant in the room. Like I said, are we going to address this or not? And to that point, as far as the entire country is watching you now, which means the national media is watching you, ESPN First Take, a show I don't normally watch, but this week, because the Niners are playing in the NFC Championship game, they talked about the 49ers, and in particular, they talked about the starting quarterback for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. And the question was asked, is he getting too much disrespect and criticism? To which Mina Kimes was a panelist on the show alongside Keyshawn Johnson and the absolutely disgraceful Stephen Fetchay Smith. And Mina Kimes gave voice to what folks like me have been saying all along. This woman, God bless her, went on national television and said out loud what needed to be said. She said everything I've been saying the whole time, everything I just got done saying, this team is good enough everywhere else. This team has everything else you need to win, but we have doubts, we have concern, we have trepidation about the starting quarterback because what has he really contributed? And to that point, Mina Kimes went on to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is like that guy in high school who did absolutely nothing on the group project and still got an A anyway. And this set off a firestorm of events of pissed off motherfuckers all week long coming to Jimmy Garoppolo's defense and absolutely destroying on Twitter and social media, being very vocal and very critical about Mina Kimes and her comments. What the fuck does she know? She's a woman. She never played football before. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Keyshawn Johnson, who was on the show, as I said, went back at Mina Kimes and said, well, I don't care about Jimmy's numbers and stats. He wins. All I know is that whenever he plays, the Niners always win. And that's all you play the game for. It's all you need. All you care about is do you win or do you lose? When Mina Kimes said that Jimmy Garoppolo was the worst quarterback still playing in the playoffs, Keyshawn Johnson's response was, Jimmy does something to help them win. To which Mina Kimes said, what is the thing? What is it? What are you talking about? What does he do to help the 49ers win? And Keyshawn was at a loss for words. He had no answer because no one ever has an answer. I can't tell you how many times I've been in an argument with another 49er fan, either face-to-face, like a co-worker at my job because I work with a bunch of Niner fans, or someone on social media on Twitter or someone on, on Facebook and one of these 49er groups that I'm in. Just some argument I've had with someone else about Jimmy Garoppolo where they tell me the same talking points, the same things. All he does is win. And I say, well, what does he do? What does he contribute to those wins? Furthermore, I ask, can you explain to me what five things, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, five things that Jimmy Garoppolo does individually well. What are they? No one ever has an answer. Keyshawn Johnson didn't have an answer when Mina Kimes asked him the same thing. What is the thing that he does? All people can tell me is the win-loss record versus whenever another quarterback plays under Kyle Shanahan. Okay, so what are you telling me in that? First of all, you're telling me Kyle Shanahan eight 8-27 in games that he's coached as a, as a head coach of the 49ers where Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play. Now, take 10 games out of that Jimmy got here mid-season in 2017. Jimmy's missed 25 games as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So, if you want to talk about the win-loss record when Jimmy doesn't play, that's not a good thing. All that is is an indictment on Jimmy Garoppolo, and all that does is illustrate the point that he can't stay healthy. He lacks durability. That's number one. Number two is, what are you really trying to tell me? That Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Brian Hoyer, Nick Mullins, and C.J. Bethard? What are you telling me in that? Any competent, competent quarterback in the NFL could play for the 49ers and have equal success or more success than what Jimmy Garoppolo has had. I'll ask the question one more time. What does he individually do well that propels the 49ers to victory? No one can ever answer that question. Jeff Garcia, former 49er quarterback, one of my favorite 49er quarterbacks, played in the early 2000s, had pretty good success with the Niners, had us in the playoffs two years. He had that epic comeback against the Giants, being down 19 points at halftime. It led the 49ers back to victory that day, 39-38. Jeff Garcia is is a solidified, true, real 49er quarterback. He is a top five quarterback in franchise history. Jeff Garcia is no joke. So when Jeff Garcia speaks, I'm going to listen. I respect Jeff Garcia. And then... Even with people I respect, every now and then, people have a tendency to say something completely asinine and fucking stupid. Jeff Garcia, in response to Mina Kimes, went on Twitter and said, quote, who the hell is Mina Kimes, and when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in the game? Never, in big bold capital letters, exclamation point. Never ever has she taken a snap or can truly understand the ability, the mindset, the physical and mental toughness that it takes to play the quarterback position or any position in the NFL the fact that there are people out there given a platform to talk about something that they have never done is hilarious and that's how you have to look at her she's a joke laughing emoji so let's just laugh at her and support Jimmy root on our niners to go out and beat the living fuck out of one more team that's what it takes She will never know that feeling. Can I get an amen? Peace. And then the peace sign emoji. Here is my response to that. I don't care if Mina Kimes is a Seahawks fan, which she is. I don't care if Mina Kimes bleeds once a month and goes through a cycle. I don't give a fuck if she never played a down in the National Football League. Neither have I. Neither have a lot of people. People do have two functioning set of eyes for the most part and can watch this guy stink up the joint on a weekly basis. Just because she's a woman doesn't mean she's not making a fair, accurate and honest point. And typically, as is the case with modern day people, whenever people hear something that they don't agree with, they don't listen They don't talk about the point that was made. They instead be childish and petulant and juvenile and attack the person making the point because they fail to articulate or they have the inability to articulate a thought to counter the point that was made. So instead, we have to be reduced to childish name-calling. Can we talk about and deconstruct the point and the facts that she stated? How many touchdown passes has Jimmy Garoppolo thrown in these NFL playoffs? Jeff Garcia's first sentence is, who the hell is Mina Kimes and when is the last time she threw a touchdown pass in the game? Well, Jeff, when is the last time Jimmy Garoppolo threw a touchdown pass in a playoff game? Super Bowl 54. Oh, but he also had two interceptions in that game. If you're going to try to clap back at someone who's trashing Garoppolo, that can't be your first point. You can't say, you can't mention touchdown passes. We're two games in the NFL playoffs. He's yet to throw one himself. Mina Kimes and Jimmy Garoppolo have the same amount of touchdown passes in the 2022 NFL playoffs. That's why people like me go after Jimmy Garoppolo. Mina Kimes does not start at quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo does, and he has failed to throw a touchdown pass in these playoffs. In two playoff games, the 49ers have scored 36 points. That's an average of 18 points a game. And in the last playoff game, the 49er offense was only responsible for six of those points. If it wasn't for a blocked punt that resulted immediately in a touchdown, the Niners only scored six points in that game and probably lose. They would have lost. Green Bay had 10. The 49er defense is playing out their fucking mind right now. 17 points against the number one offense in the league, the Dallas Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers, the presumptive NFL league MVP, who threw 40 touchdown passes this season, only was able to amass 10 points against that 49er defense. The special teams, as I said, with a blocked punt, defense, special teams, Debo Samuel, that is why the Niners are playing this Sunday. The quarterback really hasn't done a whole lot. There's too many Jeff Garcias in 49er land. Too many emotional and delusional people who want to pretend like this is okay. Like there's nothing wrong with your starting quarterback playing two playoff games and not throwing a touchdown pass, not running for a touchdown. He has not been responsible for a touchdown himself. People want to act like this is fine. It's okay. Well, as long as we win, yeah, as long as the defense shuts the other team down every single game. Then we can win, barely, by the edge of our seat. What has Jimmy Garoppolo contributed in these NFL playoffs? Anxiety? High blood pressure? Stress? For every 49er fan who watches this team play and barely get by every week? At some point, we have to reach a point in our society where we can listen to each other speak and just address whatever the fuck it is you just said instead of just going after someone because you said something that I disagree with, and you spoke negatively about a person that I really like and admire. So instead of addressing the point, I'm just gonna be combative and fight back at you and talk shit about you, because you were talking shit about someone I really like. Too many 49er fans and too many ex-49ers are enablers. It's no different than if you have a crackhead in your family. If you have a crackhead in your family, call them a crackhead and get them some fucking help. Don't just say, oh, he has a little bit of a problem. No, he smokes crack. Stop sugarcoating shit. Stop sweeping shit under the rug. If it's not good, it's not good. Why is the bar so low for Jimmy Garoppolo? If the bar were any lower, he'd trip over it and sprain his ankle. Let's go ahead and and take it there. If Teddy Bridgewater play for the 49ers. And I've always called Jimmy Garoppolo Teddy Bridgewater with privilege. And there's a reason for that because if Teddy Bridgewater or someone who looks like him, let's say, I don't know, Cam Newton, PJ Walker, Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick, I don't know, whoever, fill in the blank, any average black quarterback that played in the NFL the past five or 10 years. Take any of them, or even a superstar, Deshaun Watson, if he didn't have all the legal trouble. Just talk about him as a football player. Any, when Trey Lance gets an opportunity, when Trey Lance gets on the field for the 49ers, is he going to be given all these concessions, all these passes, and all these excuses to be depressingly mediocre as Jimmy Garoppolo is? No, the fuck he won't. This is unacceptable quarterback play. And all these people want to come to Garoppolo's defense. Debo Samuel tweeted something out this morning. Same thing about his win percentage. Kyle Yushchev, George Kittle, those guys should come to his defense. They're his teammates. They're probably friends with him. They see him every day on the practice field, in the locker room, at the team facility, the weight room, wherever. They see the guy every day. They should defend him publicly. They should say complimentary things about him to the media, on social media, wherever, whoever is trying to talk to them to gather information. You should be saying nice things about Jimmy Garoppolo. You play football alongside him. But in all reality, if you were to hook up Debo Samuel or Kyle Juszczyk or George Kittle to a polygraph and ask them if they really, truly believed if Jimmy Garoppolo was a good quarterback, it'd be fun to see how that polygraph test reacts. It'd be fun to watch. I don't think it would go that well. You can't tell me this is acceptable quarterbacking. You can't tell me this is conducive to winning that sixth championship. Every 49er fan wants it. I want it. It's been a long time since January 26th, 1995. 27 years. We've been wanting that next championship. This team is good enough they're in the NFC Championship game, and this is the guy at the most important position in sports who can make or break the whole thing. He's the guy. He holds the golden ticket. He holds the key. He could fuck all this up. Now, you could say anyone could fuck it all up. Elijah Mitchell might fumble. Debo Samuel might fumble. George Kittle might drop a pass. Ambry Thomas Emmanuel Mosley, they, they might blow a coverage. You might miss an assignment on defense and give up a big touchdown to Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr. Anyone can blow it. But the guy who was most likely to fuck it all up is Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why myself and many other Niner fans have so much trepidation and so much pause about this team potentially winning the whole thing. Is it too much to ask? Are we not allowed to hold people accountable anymore. When you speak about Garoppolo the way I'm speaking about him, people get mad. Niner fans lose their shit, they get their panties in a bunch. They're, They're a bunch of Jeff Garcias. They write long soliloquies and dissertations on social media defending Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has like a thousand, a million defense attorneys. Alex Smith came out this week, another former 49er quarterback. Now, he's more measured about things. He's more level-headed about things. But he defended Garoppolo for his mentality, his personality, his leadership, his demeanor, the way he's handled, the whole situation. Alex Smith would know. He was here. He was an incumbent starting quarterback. And then Colin Kaepernick was brought in to take his job, and that's exactly what happened. And then Alex Smith had to move on just how Jimmy Garoppolo will one day eventually, hopefully sometime soon, will have to move on in favor of Trey Lance. It's history repeating itself. Smith came out and complimented and defended Garoppolo for the way he's handled the situation. He didn't make any mention about the way Garoppolo was played. I myself will commend and give Jimmy Garoppolo credit for the grown adult, mature way he's handled the situation. It can't be easy you got to come to work every day and see the man who's there to take your job and replace you. The organization, the team you've played for and bled for and got hurt for and put your life and your body on the line for for the past four and a half, five years, they made a decision in the offseason to trade up in the NFL draft to give up two draft picks, three technically, to move up and get your replacement. Because they deemed your play and your inability to stay healthy as a problem that needs to be addressed and needs to be upgraded. We have to do better is what the 49ers, your own team, your own employer said. So when fans criticize people like me for being critical with Jimmy Garoppolo and call me a hater, maybe the ultimate haters are Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and everyone involved in the 49er front office, Adam Peters, everyone else. Maybe they're the ultimate haters. It can't be easy for Garoppolo. Mentally, you got to come to work every day and see your replacement. You got to hear from people like me. I know I know he sees it. I know he hears it on social media, on regular TV media. This is ESPN first take. Millions of people watch this show for whatever reason. I don't know. But people watch this bullshit. His teammates came out and defended him. They saw this. Everyone saw this. You got a woman on television criticizing you and saying you're the guy in high school who gets the A for the group project despite contributing nothing to it. If anything, that's bulletin board material. That should inspire Jimmy Garoppolo. That should motivate him. That should be fuel added to the fire. That's how all the great athletes function. Brady, Jordan, Montana, Kobe Bryant, the late great Kobe Bean Bryant. LeBron is like that. You know, Tiger Woods was like that. All the, all the greats, all the elites all look for any and every reason to get even more motivated. They will intentionally piss themselves off just to find something to push them over the edge and make them a little bit better. So if I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm looking at this. I'm saying, okay, bitch, I'm going to show you this Sunday. Okay, podcaster. Okay, social media asshole. Okay, uh... Mina Kimes or whoever the fuck, I'll show you this Sunday. I'll go out there, I'll ball out, I'll throw for 250, 300 yards, three, four touchdown passes, no turnovers at all, no picks, no fumbles, and I'll shove it right up your ass and tell you to go fuck yourself. Watch what I do. If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the mentality I have. Prove me wrong, as as Chris Benoit would say. Prove me wrong. Prove Mina Kimes wrong. Prove everyone wrong. Shut all of us up. This should be motivation. If I'm in that locker room, if I'm Debo or Kittle, Juszczyk, Elijah Mitchell, Kyle Shanahan, whoever, I'll take that clip of Mina Kimes trashing you on first take, and I'll run that shit over and over and over again on a continuous loop. I'll play it in the locker room in front of the whole team, and I'll call you out and say, hey, Jimmy, what you going to do about this? How do you feel about this? You got someone on TV with ovaries calling you out. She questioned your manhood, basically. She said, you don't contribute nothing to this team. She said, you're a joke. You're an embarrassment. You suck. This team wins despite you. What you going to do about it, Jimmy? What you going to do? You got an opportunity. You got two more games. Hopefully, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl to shut everyone up. I will gladly, I will gleefully, happily, come on this podcast and apologize to Jimmy Garoppolo if he can just find a pulse, if he can summon the intestinal fortitude, the testicular fortitude to man up and play football out of his fucking mind and play with some some level of competence in the NFC Championship game and hopefully the Super Bowl and lead this team to victory, truthfully lead this team to the Super Bowl. Don't get unnecessary credit and undeserved credit like you did in 2019 and like you've gotten so far. No. Throw a touchdown pass. Let's start with that. Hit the open man when they're wide open. If Kyle checks open on a wheel route, throw it to him and complete the pass. Throw an accurate pass he can actually catch. You got to be the guy because it only gets more difficult going forward at some point or another as we saw two years ago in 2019, in Super Bowl 54, you can't hide Jimmy Garoppolo forever. Kyle Shanahan tried. Kyle Shanahan tried as hard as he could to hide Jimmy Garoppolo until it got to a point where you couldn't. Until it was third down in the Super Bowl with Emmanuel Sanders open on a post route and you missed. and You missed badly. But two years later, you have an opportunity to redeem yourself. It's all right there in front of you, Jimmy. If you're listening, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. It's all right there in front of you. Redeem yourself and shut people like me and Mina Kimes the fuck up and let us know about it. I believe the Niners will win this game. But in the back of my mind, I still have that doubt about number 10 with the white jersey on. Can he or will he throw the game away? Hopefully not. I'm trying to speak good things into existence right now. All I need from Jimmy Garoppolo is to be 2018 Nick Foles. That's all I need. A middling, average, mundane, decent, barely conscious quarterback. Just be good. Just play out of your fucking mind and get hot for a two game stretch and play, give me 2019 New Orleans Saint Jimmy Garoppolo for two games. That's the other frustrating part. I know it's there. Something is, Something's there. He has the ability. He can do this. It's just not showing up, and especially in the playoffs. As I said earlier, two touchdowns and five picks in five career playoff games. Since week 17, Trey Lance has more touchdown passes than Jimmy Garoppolo does. And Trey Lance only played in one game. He had two touchdown passes versus Houston. Jimmy has one touchdown pass in that Week 18 game against the Rams. None in the playoffs so far. Trey Lance has more touchdown passes since Week 17 than Jimmy Garoppolo does, despite the fact Jimmy's played in three games. It can't be like this. It can't be this mediocre because, and this leads into my Super Bowl prediction, I believe the Niners, who are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I'm going to win this game this Sunday. I'm going to go with 25-23. 49ers win. And move on and advance to the eighth Super Bowl in franchise history in a rematch of Super Bowl 54 against those low-life scumbag Kansas City Chiefs. And then in that game, as it was two years ago, you can no longer be hidden. You have to rise up, and you got to match 15 in red Point for point. So many idiot 49er fans want to blame the defense for that collapse two years ago. How about the offense having three consecutive three and outs and the defense having to come back onto the field so quickly, such a quick turnaround, and being burnt out because of it? When you go up against Kansas City, you can go ahead and spot them 31 points, and that was the final score of the game, 31-20 Kansas City. KC is going to get theirs. You look at every game Mahomes has lost pretty much since Mahomes took over as a starter in Kansas City. The opposing team scored 30 or more points. This season, they lost to Baltimore in a Sunday night game, 36-35. They lost at home to the Chargers, 30-27-24, to or something like that. If you want to beat them, you have to score 30 or more points and this is when the trepidation comes in for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't have I got I got some reservation about the game this Sunday, but I got even more when I project forward and look at a potential matchup versus Kansas City. They lost last year's Super Bowl. Tampa Bay scored 55 points when they lost the AFC Championship game to New England. The Patriots scored 37 points in that game. Kansas City played the Rams On a memorable Monday night shootout in 2018, Kansas City lost that game. But guess what the final score was? Rams 54, Chiefs 51. This current version of the Kansas City Chiefs, it requires 30 or more points to beat that team. So that's the biggest reason. More than anything else, while I'm nervous about Jimmy Garoppolo and why I keep calling him out and why I keep arguing with and telling other 49er fans, this current level of play is unacceptable. If we want to win a championship, it's more than likely going to have to go through Kansas City again and he has to put points on the board. You're not beating them with 17, 20, 23 points. You're certainly not going to beat him with 13 points. Like we got against Green Bay, our defense is awesome. Those guys are kicking ass up front with only four guys rushing the quarterback. Don't even have to blitz. Those guys get after it. They're all playing. It's like they're playing on a string. It's 11 men all playing cohesively together. It's perfect. It's beautiful defensive football to watch. But as good as those guys are on defense, you're going to have to get at least 30 or more to beat what they got going on in Kansas City. With Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and everyone else. And, of course, with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy calling plays. Eric Bieniemy, who should be getting head coaching interviews and a head coaching opportunity sometime in the near future. But that's a different story. But, yeah, it's going to take a lot to beat those guys, man. We saw this movie two years ago, and Jimmy Garoppolo was not up to task in that Super Bowl two years ago. So... You know you don't want you don't want to look ahead though. That's the the biggest thing besides Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the biggest thing that could potentially derail the 49ers versus the Rams this Sunday is being overconfident because you have beaten this team six consecutive times. So you hope that the guys don't go into this game being too confident and too full of themselves and thinking, "Well, we've beaten them six times in a row, so this is going to be a, a walk in the park. This is going to be a cakewalk. We can go ahead and take care of these guys and move on." to the Super Bowl because we own this team, right? You do, but you still have to go out there and execute and play the game and finish it this Sunday. I hope it happens. I really, really want this to happen, and I want Jimmy Garoppolo to play at a high level. This is not about me having a personal vendetta with the guy. I don't even know the guy. Seems like a nice guy. That's all I can say about him. Never met him before. Seems like an all right, nice, cool, down-to-earth dude. I just want him to play better at his position so the 49ers have a better opportunity and a better chance of winning the Super Bowl. That's all this is about. I just want that dude to play better. Raise your game because right now it's not good enough. Get better, raise your game, and lead this team to a championship. Don't just be in long for the ride. Lead this team to a championship. On that group project, do the majority of the work. Because you're the star, you're the focal point, you're the quarterback. So once again, my prediction for Conference Championship Sunday, my beloved San Francisco 49ers over the L.A. Rams for the seventh consecutive time. And I think Patrick Mahomes being a cheat code in the playoffs, the only quarterback that's ever beaten Mahomes in the playoffs, Tom Brady. He's gone. He's out the picture now. Joe Burrow in Cincinnati present a lot of challenges. That team is tough. That team has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Terrence Boyd and C.J. Uzama. A lot of weapons on offense. But that Bengals offensive line, as we saw last Saturday, gave up nine sacks. Now, Kansas City doesn't run as many twists and stunts as Tennessee does. And their front seven is not on the level of Tennessee's front seven. But a Steve Spagnolo defense, who is the defensive coordinator for the, for the Chiefs, will call a lot of creative and exotic blitzes. try to confuse you up front and create pressure and manufacture pressure. And, you know, Arrowhead Stadium, Patrick Mahomes, the Bengals' offensive line being shaky. Burrow got sacked not only nine times last Saturday versus Tennessee, he got sacked 51 times in the regular season. Obviously, that's not good. So you combine Mahomes, Arrowhead Stadium, a terrible offensive line for the Bengals, and the fact that this is the Bengals' first time really being on this stage like this, and Bill Vinovich, the referee, yeah, I got Kansas City winning that game. Chiefs, 49ers, Super Bowl 56, rematch of 54. Hopefully, this time, different result. And with all of that being said, that concludes this edition, this episode of the Deion Gordon Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Eternally grateful, always humble, very much appreciative. Picture me rolling. I'm out.